testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything, anything. If, excuse me, if any one of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because no one, so, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. The person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Just a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take bright, pride, pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and wither the plants. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who preserves under trial because Having stood the test, the person will receive the ground of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, one, no one should say, God is tempted me, tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person, each person is tempted when they are tracked away by their own evil desire and endies. Amen. Then, after desire has conceived, it, it gives birth to sin, and sin, and sin, when it's full ground, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows? He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruit of all created. May God bless the reading of his word. Yes? Okay. How come I can't hear myself? Oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I keep... Uh, <laughs> I keep telling Jenny how much I don't like these things, but uh, I'm not saying anything anybody else isn't uh, saying. Although they are fashionable, aren't they? The new ones we got, they're very fashionable. So, if you'd like one, CJ. Uh, perspective. You know, it's how we view issues and opportunities in relation to uh, this life, right? So uh, sometimes we feel like, hey, they're really lucky right? Look at her. She's really lucky. Look at that giant ice cream, and all I got is this little popsicle. And uh, they're really lucky, and I'm not, right? So, or they're blessed, so I must be cursed, right? Uh, perspective is our choice. Um, I have to say, when I was growing up, I was very fortunate. But when you're a teenager growing up, you don't realize how fortunate you are, amen? I mean, it's just kind of crazy. I drove the coolest car ever. 
I was going to put the picture up there, but uh, suddenly today when I'm looking at it, it doesn't look so cool. But uh, it was a Datsun uh, B210. I used to call it the camouflage Porsche because it had like all these different colors, right? So and even some I added myself to get rid of the, uh, some rust. And uh, the thing is, I love that little car, but um, you know, I, I didn't realize how fortunate I was. I actually had a car when I was 16. I had a car when I was 16. My parents paid for my insurance. Often my parents would pay for my fuel. And so what was I thinking of? I was thinking of, man, I'd really love to have a truck, right? Or one of my friends in, in uh, high school, he got a BMW. And that was not unusual in our school for someone to be driving a, a fancy car. And here I was with my camouflage Porsche 1973 Datsun B210. If you don't know what that looks like, look it up later. It's awesome. <laughs> and uh, so, but I didn't realize, you know, when you're, you're younger, you didn't realize, wow, how fortunate it was they even have a car. Because, you, you know, there were plenty of other people who didn't have cars and didn't have parents that could afford to, to help you out that way. Um, when I was 21, you know, I purchased my first home, and, uh, which was pretty amazing to being a 21-year-old. Uh, of course, we, I lived four miles from the beach, but where did I want to be? Right on the beach, right? So always thinking about where I uh, wanted to be rather than where I was, right? Isn't that the uh, sin of Luke Skywalker with Yoda? Always thinking about where he's not, or whatever he says. Um, as God, uh, you know, trials and adversity are the same, but a little bit different, but they're the same from the whole idea of perspective, uh, meaning we face the same issues that everyone faces, whether they're saved or not, whether they're saved or not. As a Christian, you can still get cancer. You know, um, Major Gary Kyle, he's in hospice, and he has cancer, and uh, I don't know how many, how much longer he has to go. You might know Mary, uh, Major uh, Gary Kyle. He was in this division for a long time. I think twice, actually. Um, but he has cancer. Cancer comes to Christians. Um, as a Christian, you can still get laid off. A lot of people have been losing their jobs. There's 38,000 or 28,000, whatever the number is, uh, Disneyland employees getting laid off. They work at the happiest place on earth. They're not very happy right now. You know, as a Christian, you can still get COVID. As a Christian, your spouse can still leave you. You know, as a Christian, you can still get in a car accident. One of our kids who worked at camp um, was coming out of a, a driveway. She got hit by a car, and uh, her body really got mangled. Beautiful young lady, and uh, she's a believer. I hope you get the picture there. Life and adversity happens whether you're a believer or not. We experience the same thing as non-Christians. So what really is the difference? And that's really the right question, right? The difference is we're a child of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. We know the risen Savior. We have been reborn. Praise the Lord. So our perspective is key. Our perspective is key. I learned today that Major Gary Kyle, and you know, I have to admit, I haven't been uh, looking at Facebook lately, but I guess he's, he's posting uh, uh, Salvation Army songs that he really loves. What a blessing. The guy is in hospice. He's at the end where other people would be crushed and saying, woe is me. Gary Kyle is texting out songs of, of, of salvation. Amen. Oh, just warmed my heart when you told me that this morning. Perspective is the key. For Christians, uh, we experience adversity and we can say, oh, woe is me, right? Woe to me. 
No one else is experiencing this. Have you ever uh, said that to yourself? You're going through something, and you're like, no one else is experiencing this. That's a lie. That's a lie. No one else has had to go through this, right? You know that song? I know you know this song. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrow. Isn't that the, the song of anybody going through a trial? You want to sing that in your head. In fact, when you're talking to God, you're like, God, no one's going through this. It's just me, right? Completely false. Uh, it's where perspective happens is when we start comparing ourselves to others, right? Uh, we are living like the lost when, rather than the saved. When we start saying, well, this person's not going through this, or this person has that, or whatever, but uh, it doesn't matter. Um, to go through an adversary and a trial is to have your faith proved, refined, and strengthened. We prove that we serve a risen Savior. Amen. Or a false God as a believer. When we're going through something tough, we're either proving that God has risen and he's my Savior, or we're proving that he doesn't exist by our attitude and perspective. To go through adversity of your trial is, is, is important. Uh, James today gives us the opportunity to see adversity through the eyes of God. Through the eyes of God. And we urge to see the joy in it. We'll talk about that word in a little bit. It's a changed perspective that allows us to be stronger in our faith. You know, Proverbs chapter 3, uh, verses 3 to 8 says this. Uh, most of the time we, we quote verses 5 and 6, but I want to read the whole thing here. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Amen. Bind them around your neck. Maybe we should get that. Necklaces, you know, a lot of people wear those crosses all the time. Maybe they should get uh, a little necklace that says love and faithfulness. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. And then it says, the passage we all have memorized, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. But then the next part, which we probably should memorize, says this. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. You know, and when we look at James today, we're going to see basically this same kind of outline here. Don't be wise in your own eyes. When you're starting to complain to God and, and shaking your fist at him and telling him, you know, no one else is going through this, you're being wise in your own eyes. Perspective keeps love and faithfulness on your heart, around your neck. You'll be a witness in times of adversity. Where other people crumble, you remain steadfast. I can't tell you how much Gary warmed my heart today, and I haven't read that post. It just warmed my heart when you told me that. Follow God's way, and he will make your path straight for you. Stay away from sin. You will bring health and spiritual health to your body. Perspective is key today as we look at James and as we look at our own spiritual growth. All right. So we're going to go to the next slide there, Josh. Good. All right. So adversity strikes us all. And this is important to, to realize. You know, I worked with a woman at Transworld Communications a bazillion years ago. And, you know, uh, I was about to say I was on fire for God. I think I've been on fire for the Lord ever since I gave my life to Christ. But I was like, 
you know, uh, someone would say something and I sensed they needed prayer, I would just ask them to do prayer. I, so dumb, so dumb, because today you'd probably be inspired. Back then, I didn't care. I kind of don't care today either. But they would say stuff, and I'd say, oh, let me pray with you. So uh, anyway, uh, I asked this lady to pray for me, and uh, I'd pray for her, and this other lady pipes up and says, don't you ever pray. Don't I want to hear Jesus? And she was like freaking out on me, and I was like, oh, okay, this is odd. And uh, then she told the story to this group of people here that, um, you know, my son was in Vietnam, and the church prayed he was going to come home, and they told me he was going to come home, and he died the week before he was going to come home. It's a tragic story. It's a tragic story. And uh, now you might think the church should have never told her that, and I would agree. The church should have never told her, hey, your son's coming home. Should have never said that. However, sometimes I think her, but us also, we think God owes us something. You know, God, I pray, I, uh, I read my Bible, I do this, I go through the motion, all these things. Look what a great saint I am. So therefore, all these prayers I'm praying, you have to answer. You, have to, you owe me. You owe me. I have to tell us, remind us, God owes us nothing. And that's important to realize as you're looking at your own personal spiritual life. God owes you nothing. We owe him everything, everything. It's perspective. You know, um, the United States, I had to look this up when I was thinking about this, lost 58,200 uh, people in the Vietnam conflict. The South Vietnamese army and nation, just, just their soldiers, lost 250,000. And the North Vietnamese lost over 2 million. They think it's even higher. Every one of those people, every one of those men and women had a mom at home. Everyone. Now, the loss of one life is tragic for sure. And if you look at the deaths in World War II, even higher, hundreds of millions. Each one of those people had a mom and a dad and a family. What about all those moms? Obviously, one life lost is horrible, right? So what's another way of looking at the situation? We go through the same life everybody else goes through. Doesn't matter if they're a believer or not. We're all marching along this journey at the same time. The difference is, is that who walks with us? Christ walks with us. Christ lives within us. Or we're trying to do it all on our own. That's the difference. You know, I could have compared COVID deaths or cancer deaths or car accident deaths or religious persecution deaths, or I could compare other things, divorce rates, poverty rates, arrest rates, abortion rates, home ownership rates, eviction rates. There's lots of things for us to compare ourselves to someone else. Lots of things. Someone will always have it better than you. Someone will always have it better than you. Someone will always have it way worse than you. Always. Almost anything at the end of the day is still perspective on how we face adversity and trials that come to all of us, regardless of race, sex, age, nationality, skin color, doesn't matter. Always someone worse off than you, always someone better than you. Main point is how we look at trials and adversity of many kinds. In other words, in regular life. And this is where James kind of puts life in perspective. Verses 2 and 3. 
Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. You know what he doesn't say here? You know what, you know what word is missing from here? If. If is missing from here. What James is saying is, it's going to happen. He's not saying it might happen. He's not saying uh, maybe you're going to be the super lucky one it doesn't happen to. No, he's not saying that. There's no if here. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. In other words, they're coming. They're coming. Because the testing of the faith develops perseverance. And that's the purpose. A testing and adversity develops your faith and produces perseverance. Now, I'll tell you, when you're in the midst of adversity and trials and tough things, it's hard to be, have pure joy. It's hard. And uh, in fact, you can feel crushed, abandoned, lonely, alone, afraid, lost, out of your mind with worry. Those are all normal human reactions. Yet we're being told, consider it pure joy. And I'll tell you, if someone comes up to you and says, when you're going through something really bad, I mean really bad, and someone comes up to you and says, hey, consider it pure joy that you're going through that trial. You just want to slap the silliness out of their life. Amen? You just want to say, what is wrong with you? Don't you know, I'm, no one else is suffering what I'm suffering right now? And they're like, consider it pure joy. But you know they're right. It's about perspective. And you're not alone. And that's the key. As a Christian, we're not alone. God walks with us. He's with us the whole time. We are not alone. He has his spirit, his Holy Spirit within us. And he loves us. He wants what's best for us. And whatever you're going through, if it's cancer, it might kill you. And yet we can still praise God because it's about perspective. Because God gives us the power so we can persevere spiritually, but it may not be physically, in the midst of adversity. Let's look at that word perseverance. It means steadfastness, endurance. Think of that tree, the immovable tree, that rock, the immovable rock. It is there. It's not moving. It's steadfast. Persevere. And then look at James chapter uh, 1, verse 4. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. You'll notice as you read through James, it's a lot of progression. It's, it's, uh, it's this, then this produces this. As you read through the book of James, you'll see that often, over and over and over again. It's a style that you read in the book of James. And any time I talk about the book of James, I love to brag about Jenny. When she was in high school, you know, she had to memorize the entire book of James. Yeah, very impressive. Yes, I'm, I'm impressed about with her all the time. Amen. This, this perseverance brings maturity. And notice uh, there's a result from considering a pure joy. We've changed our perspective about our situation to give God the glory. Glory to God. I don't know how this is all going to end up, but praise the Lord. He's, he's in charge. And that is maturity, spiritual maturity. Not focused on what is missing, but instead focus on the abundant blessings that we already have. It's perspective. We went on a missions trip to South Africa with the Torrance Band, and uh, we went over there and we brought some instruments. We left a bunch of instruments over there, but there was this, a bunch of places we visited. They had us playing all over the place. But there's this one particular church that always sticks out in my, there's a couple things that stick in my mind, but this particular church sticks out in my mind. It's about two hours outside of Johannesburg. It was a huge building. And probably in size, probably from this wall 
all the way to the other to the parking lot, and uh, probably double this width. It was massive. It was made out of cinder block, like like this one, except uh, there were no doors. It was one giant hall, no doors. It had an outside uh, bathroom. It had uh, no windows, and it had a stage that had been probably, it looked like it was poured on three different occasions to make it bigger. So it had, it, the stage was not flat, it was kind of all this kind of weird stuff. And I, I really know that because I was playing tuba and I was in the back and I had one of my legs on one side of the cement and one on the other, so I was sitting like this. But it was amazing. Did you know that uh, that, that church was absolutely full? It was packed. And the people there were all, now, now think about this, there, there's also no floor. It's all clay. It's dirt. And, uh, and for some reason, the Salvation Army, we have decided that if you're in Africa, you should wear a white uniform. Isn't that crazy? I've never understood that. But uh, these people would walk two hours to get to church, and they would carry their uniform inside a couple different bags to keep it clean. And so you see all these people arriving. At first, I thought they were just walking by, but they were arriving and some were changing in the bathroom outside, and some were changing in the core officer's house, and they come out, and they're wearing this gleaming white shirt, like Reggie's shirt and, uh, and Dave's shirt. I mean, it's like white. It was amazing. I want you to notice, they weren't focused on the fact that they had to walk, and they weren't focused on the fact that they couldn't wear their clothes all the way there. What they were focused on was praising God and loving God, and being a witness for, for God. And they were just amazing. And so I just remember that, uh, and I know we brought a bunch of teens with us. Actually, one of the teens we brought with us was um, Boyd. Uh, he was just here. Jeff. Jeff Boyd came with us. But as a teenager, he was a lot younger. Um, but the teens we brought with us, uh, they got a perspective on life that, that they would have never had here. Because they saw life from the, from the standpoint of, of what all those people were missing in relation to their own life, right? All these people were missing windows on their church. These people were, were missing vehicles. These people were missing the ability to just run out and get some fast food. It was perspective. The perspective was they focused on the Lord and not on what that was missing. And I think that's key because James chapter 1, verse 12 tells us what we get for persevering. Blessed, oh, love this. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Amen. Oh, there's a reward at the end. The crown of life. The crown of life. You know, Revelation, there's, there's multiple crowns you can earn in uh, where it talks about. But, you know, when we receive those, it's not like we walk around heaven and say, hey, which crown am I going to wear today? Hmm. It's not that way. When you read God's word, it's actually, we actually take those crowns and place them before the king. Oh, just gives me goosebumps thinking about it. Blessed, you have stood the test. You're a witness of the grace of God, the perseverance of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that's important. That's important for us to realize because there's another way to deal with adversity and trial. There's another way. And it's really Satan's way. And, uh, we see that in verses 13 and 16, which is our second idea here, which is uh, trials and temptations, Satan's perspective. You know, this is what God's word says, verses 13 and 14. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. 
For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Check out that God is not the one doing the tempting. So what's going on here? Perspective has taken a negative turn. Uh, sin, we try to cope with situations, and uh, when we're not trusting the Lord, we tend to react in a way that is, does not bring glory to God. When we face adversity, uh, we respond with rage and anger and passive aggressiveness. We want our way. Don't you know I've been cheated? And how does it occur? Because we've changed from having a godly perspective to a human perspective. Um, sadly, Christians, sometimes we never grow up. James chapter 1, verses 15 and 16 says, Then after death has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. That's what it says. There's a progression here and a product. Trusting in the Lord and uh, produces perseverance, produces spiritual maturity, you get the crown of life. Not trusting in the Lord, sin, sin when it's conceived. You know, women are pregnant for uh, nine months. You know, elephants, I think it's like 42 months, I don't know what it is. It's some ridiculous thing. That's a long time. But in each case, the baby comes forth. The word used here means to conceive, means to give birth. And so it's grown. This sin has grown and grown and grown. It finally gives birth. And then it grows up into a large sin. And it kills you. It kills you. Literally give birth. It can grow to the point where it consumes you and kills you fear, uh, physically and sometimes, uh, or it kills you spiritually and sometimes physically. Satan's method is to get you to deny God. That's what he wants you to do. Deny God in the middle of uh, your trial and adversity. That's what God wants you to do. I want to look at this uh, idea just for a couple seconds more and then I'll, I'll keep going. But, um, you know, Jenny and I have been trying to lose weight. And uh, this week, and I'll tell you, uh, God does not tempt you beyond what you can bear. But this week, we had our virtual officers councils, and they sent us a box. Um, and this box was full of candy. Full of candy. It had, of course, it had all the stuff I hate. Twix bars, uh, uh, yeah, blow pops, Hershey, Hershey kisses, Hershey bars. Oh, there was a Snickers in our, one of them. Some other candy. I never knew what it was. Um, and so there was a lot of candy in there. And I'll tell you, around 8 o'clock at night, you just have this hunkering for something, right? <laughs> and so I've been trying to keep my, my calories under 1,600. That's according to my fitness pal. I'm supposed to be doing that. And so this box was sitting there. And uh, when, as soon as I got the box, we opened up the box, and we said, oh, okay. We picked out the, the little brochure thing they, they wanted us to have. And, and so I took the candy and I shoved it in the uh, water bottle things they gave us. And because I, I knew I just want to get rid of these. I need them out of the house. And, uh, but you know what? I broke. I had three charmed blow pops. I think that was 1,800 calories a piece. <laughs> so, uh, but they were still sitting there the next day. And so I realized I need to get these out of the house. So on Friday, I put them in a bag and I uh, came into the office. And I, I told myself in the car, I'm giving this to the first person I see. And there is Elisa, little Logan, walks by. <laughs> said, Logan, I have such a gift for you. Just check with your mom. So I gave Logan the candy. 
So for him, it's okay because his metabolism is, is fantastic. For me, it's bad. So sometimes what trips you up may not trip up another person, right? Logan's not going to gain 10,000 pounds from eating uh, that candy, although I know his mom probably won't only let him have about a third of it. But in my mind, it was gone. The, uh, but sin is like that, right? So if you keep circling the blow pops, guess what's going to happen? You're going to eat the blow pops. And uh, they were good, but made me feel really guilty later because I didn't realize I kind of plateaued for a couple days. So uh, anyway, that's my own confession. Conf James says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other and you shall be healed. So there you go. Back to this. So Satan's method is to get you to deny God in the middle of your trial and adversity. And it's really the story of Job, right? So remember Job's story, which by the way, if you've not read the book of Job, it is amazing. So Job... Uh, you know, Satan goes to God and says, and um, he's trying to trip somebody up, and he finds Job, and, and Satan tells God that he's going to curse you if I take away these things. So uh, God says, okay, you can't touch him, but, you know, you can take away his, his wealth. So he goes and takes away his wealth, all his land, his kids die. It's really a horrible story. So then, uh, you know, that Satan goes back and says, ha! Uh, God says, well, what about Job? He didn't curse you. And uh, he says, well, that's because you're protecting his health. So Satan then is allowed to... Uh, you know, hurt him physically. So Job has like, he, he gets all these boils and pucks and things. It's really disgusting. Uh, as, a, as a young man, I liked reading that because I thought that was kind of cool. But, um, but he's, he's like scraping himself. It's that bad, right? It is hideously bad. And Job still doesn't curse God. Then Job's friends come by and, uh, you know, I, you know they want to help. It was kind of like having friends that came, hey, have joy. Uh, in the time of your adversity. <laughs> but uh, so it's going kind of bad. And so Job is kind of, he's kind of on the verge of woe is me and things are not going well. And, uh, but there's a part in here, this whole story that always sticks out in my mind. And it's this part here is that you'd want to circle in your Bible and, and uh, you want to write it on the front cover that every time you're singing that, so, that song, Woe to Me, I need to read Job chapter 38, verse 4. Because uh, when we're arguing with God as if we should be in charge, keep this verse in mind. Where were you? This is God talking to Job. Where were you when I laid the fountain, I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Think about that. Where were you? I'm God. You're not. You're not. The book of Job is amazing, but it, it's that whole idea, who's in charge? God's in charge. He created the heavens and the earth. It is God who gave man life, literally breathed the breath of God into him. It was God who gave man free will. And uh, this is one of those things that sometimes throws people off. Why would God create us to reject him? Did you ever think about that? But I will tell you, there can be, there is no love without choice. And if you don't believe me, when you get home today, ask your toaster if it loves you. What? What? <laughs> Does a toaster have the choice to love you? No. What? But man was created, was created with the ability to choose. God gave us that, that free will. The, the ability to choose love, obedience over sin, and God gave us that ability. So when we choose to change perspective during trial, and adversity, um, we choose God. We say, I'm going to trust in you. God gave us his grace. 
Satan seeks our destruction. God seeks to save us through the resurrection, through Christ. Amen. Love that. Our third one here is uh, the good and perfect gift. So when we consider pure joy, when we face trials, what's the motivation here? We follow the Lord. It's not like man. We follow God, not man. I'll tell you, and it's not just this election. It's literally every election. We, uh, as, as a society, whether it be in this country or another country, or you, you name the place, there will always be people that um, treat whoever the politician person is as their messiah. Always. It's not just this year. It wasn't well, two years ago or two years before that. There will always be people that their politics become their religion. Where we put our faith in man versus God. There will always be that way. But you know, man cannot give you that good and perfect gift. It's only God that can do that. James chapter uh, 1, verse 17 and 18 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. You know, man changes. Man changes. Uh, how many times have we heard a politician say, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that? And, uh, and they get elected, and then we, they never do this or that. And we're all, you know what, we're all shocked. <laughs> we are, we're shocked. What do you mean he didn't do that? Now, some are better than others, but it's just the way life goes. Um, but James says, uh, you know, God doesn't change like the shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be the kind of first fruits of all he created. He chose. God doesn't owe us anything, but yet he chose to give us the ability to be saved. He chose to give us the power of the Holy Spirit. He chose to give us the power to live holy lives. And he chose us for eternity. God, has, God did not design hell for humanity. That was for the fallen angels. We choose hell in rejection of the greatest gift ever. We choose hell when we deny the gift that God has placed before us. That's our choice. God is the good and perfect gift. His gifts are good and perfect. The father of lights who lights the way ex externally and internally. You know, one thing about heaven, I don't know if you, uh, as you read God's word, you might say, wait, uh, God is kind of, ex at the end of days, God extinguishes the lights of heaven. Did you know that? And yet, God provides the light. When you read the last two chapters of, of Revelation, the new heaven and earth come down. And it is God that's providing the light. Not the sun. He didn't say, you know, I, I brought a new sun, and uh, that sun's going to shine and everything, and it'll be night and day. And no, it's God is providing the light. And that is so mind-boggling to think about because we're used to that orange glob, you know, going over and then disappearing around 5.30 and then coming around the next day at, well, this time of year, about 5.30 in the morning, 6, whatever. And yet, the kingdom of heaven is not like that. The light is always on. Praise the Lord. Um, amen. Perspective. Where is your perspective? Where is it leading you? Is it leading you in your growth with Christ? Are you stuck in the woe is me thing? Um, it's normal. I mean, that's, life is hard sometimes. Life is hard sometimes. I want to finish up with this passage from Ephesians. And um, it's about unity in the body of Christ. And uh, it, there's a lot of things here. And I, I just want us to remind us that... Um, as you read this, keep in mind what James has told us. Consider pure joy. Live for God. 
You right? And this is what it says. As a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble, gentle, be patient, bearing one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led the captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Praise the Lord. What does he ascended uh, mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He also descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. That is what God has done for us. It is he who gives us some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. It's, again, perspective. We all have a job to do, not the same one. To prepare God's people for works of service. Again, it's that whole unity thing. Why are we all here? God's got a plan for us. God's got a plan for us. And we need to be praying and figuring out what that plan is so we can be doing it. Not focus on what we don't have, but focus on what we already have and what we should be doing. Oh, praise the Lord. Um, So the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And this is important. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking truth and love, we, we will in all things grow up in him who is ahead, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every sporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Perspective. As the church, we all go through life. We all go through adversity. We all go through trials. And uh, some of us are at the peak of life going on right now, and some of us are in the depths of of a trial. But what God wants us to do is learn and to work through those things in his power so we become mature and help other people to be able to grow later. Amen. This morning, I just ask, if you're going through some kind of adversity, some kind of trial, some kind of issue, uh, man, don't leave here the same way you walked in. Come to this place of prayer and pray. Ask me to pray for you. I'll pray with you. I love praying. Um, We all need prayer. We all need the Lord's help and work in our life. Um, this world that we're living in, it's, it's gone crazy, if you haven't noticed. It's gone, uh, just some weird stuff's going on. And you can get caught up in that. I, I, have to st- I, can, I can watch the news for a little bit, and then I've got to turn it off, because it just, it just can't believe what's going on. I just say, Lord, I'm praying for your will to be done. Um, obviously, you know what my will is, but I'm praying for your will to be done. Um, and you be glorified through this whole thing. And I've been praying for that forever. I pray for that when I see the white truck pull up across the street. There are days um, I close my blinds because, in fact, they've been closed for about two or three weeks now, because I saw, it, it disturbed me so much, I saw the little white truck pull up and about eight containers of the hazardous waste red bins going to the back of it. I don't know what that is. Um, I'm assuming it's in relation to their abortion procedure stuff going on, but it just crushed my heart. 
I had to close my window. I was like, Lord, I, I just can't deal with that. I'm praying for your will to be done. I don't pray evil on those people across the street. I pray for their salvation. I pray that, um, that every one of those employees gives their life to the Lord and the place closes because they have no employees. <laughs> that is my prayer. But, uh, and I know that those ladies going through that and the men going through that, they're going through some adversity and they need somebody in their life to say, you know what, God loves you. And I know you're in the middle of this, or you may have already done this, but God still loves you. You have a future in Christ. And that's what the church should be doing. We should be loving others where they are. No matter what the situation is going on in our life, you know, in the midst of adversity, the last thing you want to tell somebody is, ha, you brought that on yourself. Because they probably did. And the sins I've committed, I brought them on myself. What we need to do is love them the way Christ loves them. To say, hey, God loves you and forgives you, and uh, you have a future in him. And so this morning, I just asked, related to sin, related to sickness, related to work, whatever it might be, um, if you've got something going on in your life, you know, Lord, just, I need you. I need you. You can come forward to this place of prayer. I didn't pick any music out. Do you have anything you can, yeah? Okay, that's right. We'll just, uh, We'll just pray. But um, you got something going on in your life you need to pray about? Pray about it. Take it before the Lord. That's why he's there. Praise the Lord. All right. Let's, let's pray. Oh, Lord, oh, we just love you. And uh, we love that. Uh, we love the book of James, Lord. Thank you for that. And Lord, it is hard for us to consider it pure joy when we're going through the midst of stuff. And we don't know the outcome, Lord. That's usually the biggest issue, that we don't know... Uh, how you're working, Lord, and, and so we get scared or we get concerned, and uh, Lord, sometimes it's, it's affects somebody we love, Lord, and, or, uh, or it's just confusing, Lord, and it brings fear, Lord, and uh, we know that your word says perfect love drives out fear, Lord, and yet we still carry it with us, Lord, and you know what's going on through this congregation uh, here now, Lord, those that are, are watching online, what's going on in their own personal lives, Lord, you know all that. Lord, you know what adversities are affecting us, Lord. And you also tell us that no temptation has come before you except that was common to man. And we know that, Lord. But it's hard to live that sometimes. So, Lord, I just pray over us as your body, Lord, your congregation, Lord, that we might um, surrender all those things to you. Lord, because we know that your Holy Spirit is within us, Lord, as, as believers, and that you're going to guide us and direct us, Lord. And, Lord, that we can, uh, we can have joy in knowing that, uh, that inner peace, Lord, that inner love, that inner just loveliness, Lord, in knowing that you love us, Lord. And no matter what happens in this world, whether our lives be taken today or tomorrow, uh, or you might come back tomorrow, Lord, that, um, that you love us, Lord, and that uh, you have only what's best for us, Lord. And so I just pray that as a, as individually, Lord, and corporately, Lord, as we as we work through the things that are affecting our lives or affecting us around us, Lord, Lord, we just turn all those things over to you and live in Christian maturity, Lord, to be able to share your love in the midst of uh, adversity, Lord, to be able to experience your joy in the midst of adversity, Lord, to be able to, uh, to resist the temptation to act in a way that is contrary to you, Lord, when things aren't going our way. We place all these things before you, Lord, and in the name of Jesus, we claim them. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.